I'm your host, Bradley Baxter. My man, Chris Bucky, watch. Today we're talking Chapter 9, The Marshal. I spelled it wrong on the Ooh. docket. You didn't know? That's okay. Same word. Chris, it's back. Season 2, Episode 1. It's back. Welcome to, we're welcome back. To, yeah, welcome to the show. We're back, and welcome to the next episode where we talk recaps of every episode of The Mandalorian each week in a tight 20. Uh, so you can uh, say you can watch the episode, and then you can come here and say, what are those assholes think? And we'll tell you all about it. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, we were supposed to expand on this show, too. It didn't, wasn't supposed to just be Mandalorian, but with 2020 and all the Marvel stuff getting pushed out. Uh, we had bigger hopes for this show, <laughs> but it's back. Wow, it's good right. to be back. It's part of our triple header uh, season four bomb. So we're dropping on them. Man, I have so many questions and, and things to talk about um, about the Mandalorian. If you have not seen this episode yet or even season one, stop this one and just save yourself. Or if you want to do a quick recap, listen to the podcast uh, of us, all, the, our next episode episodes and you'll be all caught up and ready to go now chris this was a hot show coming mm-hmm. it's coming fresh off the burners still flavorful um it's come through so quick within a year and we're back season two chapter nine marshall if this has a 94 percent on rotten tomatoes the show or the episode the episode Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Agree. It's directed by John Favreau, written by John Favreau, produced by John Favreau. Uh, really, this was a solid way to kick off season two. Yes, so much in this, and there's so much in this episode um, that we're gonna dive into. And the, I love that this is the only um, summary of the episode is that the Mandalorian is drawn to the outer rim in search of others of his kind. Um, if you haven't. As a quick recap, fuck it. As a quick recap, we left off in season one. The child, he decided that he's going to take under his wing. He's going to go find more Mandalorian and try and find more of the child's species and mm-hmm. and, provi- and give him to his own. So in this episode, we kind of have the same, somewhat same formula. But um, before we dive into it, Chris... You're a big Star Wars fan, and and you're very Huge. very up on a lot of the extra stuff. The yes, 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 yes. The books, the comic books, all that stuff. How did you feel on a scale, on a like a percentage scale, twenty five, seventy five, fifty fifty, whatever, whatever, um, of diehard Star Wars fans and regular fans, or like generic, like the general public? catching everything in this episode i mean i i feel like yeah i i I feel like it was good i mean i think you definitely had to watch season one but i feel like there's just a fun romp and they there were hidden things and we talked about a little bit on our main podcast but like 
there are definitely some hidden gems and things that maybe if you're not a big Star Wars person that you might be like, oh, I didn't understand what that was or what that thing was. Um, but it was still a really fun episode, and then you could quickly go, oh, I, I looked up, and now I know what that thing right, is. Right, right. Um, I definitely felt, what would you, on that scale, though, what, what, what would you say that scale is? Like, 75% of the diehard fans would got majority of it? Like, or did, like... I think you get the majority of it, absolutely. I definitely felt like there was deep cuts in it, and I feel like there was a lot that I missed or that I didn't catch right away that I was kind of like mad at myself later for. And we'll get into that. But, and the reason I brought this up right out the jump was because spoilers going forward. Like we hold nothing back on, on the spoiler joints. Like we're going to spoil the shit out of this episode. So if you haven't seen it tune out now. One of the things I do love about the show that it does is there's there's like a new surprise special guest that you didn't see coming in every episode. Or at least every other episode. Right. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely agree. I mean, other than maybe the very first episode of season one, because they never in promotional material showed you Baby Yoda um, or the child. They never showed you what that was going to be. So that was like, oh, shit. Right. This one is a little bit bigger. Well, I thought I just I didn't mean necessarily in the character realm. I meant more of the the actor realm. Um, So maybe I didn't set that up correctly oh uh, yes i see what you're saying yes 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 whereas in the first one we had uh what's the name uh horatio sands is that right he played was Horatio sands in it yeah he was the, he played the the alien in the cantina who he was coming to oh yes 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 now you're now you're getting some higher call yeah you're getting some real high caliber of people making making stop stopping in to say hello right so i feel like i mean bill burr made an appearance last ep- uh last season um mm-hmm. I'm, I know I'm blanking on what's her name, but she was Agents of Shield. Um, I was. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. She got. She was out in one episode. I was surprised to see her actually die in an episode. But each episode. Yeah, that was, uh, very quickly. Each ep- yeah, but each episode, you know, Taika Waititi was in the first episode uh, as a right. voice, and as also he came, back, came back later in the final two episodes. Yeah. So in this one, we got to see John Leguizamo, and I told I hate when I miss it. I hate when I miss it. That's like on everything though, but yeah, I thought I didn't know that that first, you know, slummy alien dude was uh John Leguizamo. I didn't catch it until it was pointed out. Yeah, I didn't catch it. Didn't even catch his voice either. Not until I saw it again, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it is John Leguizamo." But you could you could hear the mannerisms and things like that. Same with Horatio Sands, like I did in uh, last season. But uh, we're getting brought we get brought back to Tatooine. Yes, we do. I mean, we haven't been to Tatooine in a while, so it was cool to see and like to be mentioned. Like, oh, it's on. Ta- There's a Mandalorian on Tatooine. It's like, oh, Tatooine. Oof. You know. And like, then he heads back. Not to mention, not to mention, he was just there. He was like, wait, what? There is? I didn't see anything. Oh, oh, okay. I'll head back. Uh, this Tatooine looks a little, little different to me, though. Oh no, I take that back. I'm. This is before he goes to Tatooine because John Lake was on and gave him that that um little info but i wanted to ask you in the info so we'll head there and you know there are there we've only really in tatooine been to most sizely spaceport uh that's the main famous one so this one you get to see different spaceports it's a big desert planet right but i did want to ask you because at the beginning of this episode when he's going to the fight and the cool thing about the fight is we get to see similar aliens and stuff that we've seen throughout star wars sure yeah 
which is great. It's always good to see more aliens. But the one of the things that does stand out in this episode was the graffiti on a lot of the a lot of the walls when he's walking to the fight. Oh, tell me about this because I did not pick up on that. You didn't notice the the graffiti, not necessarily not necessarily what the graffiti graffiti was, but I just thought it was interesting that there was graffiti in general. Like that's such a Western culture thing. Sure. And well, I don't. I, mean, if you I don't get, know if, if we, you have some sort of spray paint, people are going to spray it. But I don't recall seeing graffiti in any of the any other Star Wars. Um, you know, we haven't media. seen a Star Wars where, except for Funko Pops, we haven't seen a Star Wars set in this period. In the sense that the Empire has just fallen, so there's a lot of like you saw people celebrating at the end of Return of the Jedi on different planets across star systems. So, I mean, and also in Tatooine, you saw Moss Eisley for a minute, and that was in, you know, the first movie. They weren't thinking about that. I think the graffiti is just meant to give the environment a rich, and also to set the stage that he's going to watch probably illegal fights. Mm -hmm. And so this area of town on Tatooine probably isn't the best. There's Suspect probably going to be area. a little bit more. Yeah, the graffiti shows that it's not a well-maintained area. I thought I, this was one of those things I was just like, oh, that's such a modern world thing to see in Star Wars. Right. That was my, my yes. take on it, so I wanted to ask you about it, but... Um, also these, do we know what those, have we seen those red eye creatures before or, or in the, on that the, same plane? No, no, that, that John Lewis almost downfall is, you know, being hung upside down and the lights go out in these red eyed shadow monsters that you don't ever get to see the, you know, some sort of wild dog or wild sand. I liked it though. It was, it was a little creepy. In the dark. Love it. It was spooky. It was very creepy yes. way. And it showed just how, um, it showed just how kind of not necessarily, I wouldn't use the word ruthless, but how, you know, how. The Mandalorian, he is what he is. He's a mercenary and a killer, and he in the first episode of the first season, he cuts a guy in half with a door, and in this one, he's like, you you tried to kill me, and you said you killed a bunch of Mandalorians. Fuck you, guy. Yeah, he was and like, just lets him go. He's like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not gonna kill you. I like the way yeah. I like the way he said that. I don't gotta say This you. one was like super Western, much like most of the episodes, but this one was like, oh, I'm not gonna kill you. Like, he, I know it's not what the direct uh, you know, lines are, but I like that he was like, I never said I was going to kill you. He's like, oh. And like shoots the lights out and bomb. You just hear the critters coming out of the woodwork. Um, right. So we were back on Tatooine. Uh, we see a similar, uh, it's not similar, a familiar face with, I would call her the babysitter. If there was an episode about her, it would be called the babysitter. Right. Yes. Who's hilarious? Amy, Amy Sedaris. She's a great actress. Very funny. Another guest star. I, I, she is hilarious. I, she brings something to the show that's like so sarcastic, but so funny. I, I do really enjoy her character. Oh, yeah. She's a great way. She's a great way to drop the kid off with a sitter. And she's also just a fun. It's always good to have like the, the mechanic junker type character, you know? Yeah. She And I like that she's, she's like excited to see him more so. The child, Baby Yoda, and you know, I love that she tries to stick to, tries to guide him in the direction of like, oh nah, the get away. He doesn't like the droids, and then, but for some reason, now he's okay with the droids, and I think that's yes, absolutely, definitely got to be because because of, of the end of season. Yes, one, yes, yeah. yes, definitely. Which we've talked about in the past, but his his um. His issues with droids make sense. He was a, a child during the the Clone Wars when droids, you know, killed his family and destroyed his village before he was adopted by the Mandalorians. So he's always had a problem with droids because in the Separatists used droid armies, and so his lack of trust in those makes sense. And then the fact that an IG unit 
not only saved him, but sacrificed its own life to save the child probably makes him say, at the end of the day, droids are droids, but I really, they can do good things. Yeah, so he's like, ah, fuck it, just... Uh, They're not all murder machines. Let them fix the ship. And then she brings over the, the what is it, the R, R5? Uh, yeah, the R, uh, R5-D4 is one of those units. Yeah, she's like, slow a piece of junk. Come over, like, uh, will you take your time already? I thought that was that scene was funny, but then we get really yeah. There's some cool there's some cool little things in there. These things that paint the scene and create this element of what each planet is and what each planet feels like. Yeah, the thing about this episode that I really liked from the beginning was that it it made you feel comfortable right away. Like that see that episode where they're on Tatooine last season was was kind of fun and a little secretive, but. But they drop a they drop a huge bomb on us later that we're so not ready for. I don't think I was I wasn't expecting this to happen so quickly this season. But um, he goes back into a cantina. Not this. Oh, he goes back to the the place. Right? I forget what the place is called. It's a different place. It's not really on the map uh, of Tatooine. Um. Oh uh, yeah, most most. Pelicos. Most Plagos. Most Pelicos. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> we'll dig it. Um, and then he runs into the Marshal. Chris tells Exactly. About the Marshal. Uh the Marshal, number one, Marshall is played by Timothy Oliphant, a wonderful actor. Which you got um, I I got right away and I was like, Oh man, this couldn't be a better episode because of Justified. Like Justified I feel and obviously once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, in that he's Western just, realm. He's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal. Justified Deadwood. Uh, he's in there, so it's good that this is the marshal of this small town. I think it's a good casting. He's just a delight to watch. More importantly, though, as he walks in, uh, if you, you maybe you weren't a keen-eyed observer, but if you are, you'll notice that he is fully decked in Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor. Now, right off the bat, I could already tell, being that it was Timothy Oliphant, but also the fact that he's much taller, so the armor doesn't fit him correctly, showed that this isn't Boba Fett. Right. And then when he takes his helmet off, and that obviously reveals it to the Mandalorian. But a real surprise to see Boba Fett's armor and to see uh, to see Timothy Oliphant show up. It was a good way to get this episode really rolling. Yeah, it was really a way to hit you in the head out the gate. And at first, I as much as I recognized the armor, a piece of me was like, they kind of teased us with Boba Fett stuff last season. I didn't want to believe sure. it. Oh. Teased us with it hard. But they went to the backstory, and I think a big thing that came out of this episode is how did Boba Fett's one, how did Boba Fett survive? Two, how does this guy have his armor? Like, these are the the top questions. And they go on and explain. And there's a lot of John Favreau, what John Favreau does really great, and that's like something happens at the beginning of the episode that he calls back later. This is sprinkled out from here on out that episode, and but I I was very un, uncertain. I I wanted to be like, no, nah, that can't be Boba Fett's armor. It's just another Mandalorian with similar stuff, because last season right we saw so much of that. But I think it was when <laughs> he uses the rocket at one point. <laughs> he sure. like we're like bends over. <laughs> yeah, bends over. Which is because we only comes down and shoots <laughs> yeah because we only saw that in the toy. 
Yeah, so you're like, oh, cool, so it did have a rocket pack. He never, Boba Fett never got to fire that, but now he gets to twice, which is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, they're writing, they're giving Boba Fett even more, even though he's not in the suit. Yes. It, w- it was, a, but it also made it funny, because sure. the only way you would know why he was bending over to launch a rocket was if you knew about the toy that was never released or semi-released or whatever. Right. But the bigger question, obviously, is how did we saw Boba Fett die in what return of the jedi how did he survive that sure so there's a lot of you know, theories he didn't die which is great um, obviously not his jetpack malfunctioned and it shot him into the sarlacc pit the sarlacc pit has a digestive system of about ten thousand. which years, so. and i don't mean to cut you off but real quick which is very similar to how the mandalorian launches him later in this episode at one point yeah, I thought that was a nice little Callback, touch. The, yeah. You know, to save him, he knocks him on the thing and he shoots away. So Boba Fett's jetpack, you know, Mandalorian jetpacks are really cool and they're very versatile, but they also can be a real weak point, and that's what happened with obviously Boba Fett mm-hmm. uh, all those years ago, and he got thrown into that Sarlacc pit. But you know, I think the thing that's interesting here is that you know they take a long time to digest, and somebody in, and now that we've learned so much more about Beskar armor mm-hmm. um, and its indestructible nature. Uh, Apparently there was the a fact thing. that he was thrown in, he could have fought his way out, and I mean, he would have been in a lot of trouble, but then shed the armor maybe because he was dying in the desert and well, there's, you know, thirsty or yeah, there's, whatever. There's a lot of different stories that have gone gone around, but one of the ones I read was in a comic book, I believe, uh, he summons someone who also was consumed by the, the pit and was controlling the pit and somehow manages to escape that way. Like, I don't know. It, it was very outland, like far-fetched. Um, but I did read another one that was like the the dragon in this episode, which is like a tremor, if anybody's ever seen Tremors, um, who's, I guess, the main villain in this one. But I guess maybe they tackled the, the pit and he was able to escape that way. But again... He lost his armor, obviously, to who the jaw to the jaw was. Yeah, the yeah. jaw was. That's where the marshal received his armor. Is that he was, you know, lost in the desert after his town was raided, and Jawas picked him up, thankfully, and he was able to trade some uh, crystals he stole for something, and he traded it for Mandalorian armor, and was able to go back. So the fact that Jawas got it, and then, like you said, I think that was a great plot device. You know, the fact there was an empty Sarlacc pit that this crate dragon was living in because. Now it shows, oh, there's an opportunity. Maybe it was that Sarlacc pit that Boba Fett was in. Um, but also, it's a really good way to show how fearsome a crate dragon is because of the cool line where he says nothing can or nothing can live in a Sarlacc pit and, and the Mandalorian says, you can if you eat it. So the fact that, oh, a crate dragon is so fearsome it was able to eat one of these giant sand worm pit gross things he <laughs> yeah. ate it out of the pit and now he lives in its cave it's like oh this crate dragon's not going to be a, a walk in the park this is going to be something that we're we're gonna have to deal with yeah uh all in all though i think this was a a banger to set off the season because i was not expecting that you know usually you see some of the seasons like start off sl- a little bit slower or like and I thought this at first with this one. And again, I was disappointed because I didn't realize the very... At the end of this episode, obviously the Mandalorian gets Boba Fett's armor, which is another yes. interesting twist. Yeah, because a man, you know, once once the Mandalorian discovers that 
Timothy Olfon is not in fact a Mandalorian when he takes his helmet off. He's like immediately demanding. And that's where this kind of cool mm-hmm. monster of the week episode comes in. He says, you're going to give me that armor back or I'm going to take it from you. And then Timothy Olfon says, well, maybe we could work out a deal. So you help me get rid of this crate dragon from my town. And then you can have the armor, which is, which is a cool plot point to drive in the fact that, you know, Mandalorian culture, the religion is so precise in what it, what it entails. The fact that he's like, that's not your fucking armor. You're going to give me that armor back. Yeah. He doesn't even know it's Boba Fett. I mean, maybe he knows, Maybe he knows, but maybe Boba Fett's a forgotten name now. I mean, he's supposed to be a legendary bounty hunter, so right. You know, I'm sure that'll come to pass as the show keeps exploring that. Which I'm really excited for because that's. I mean, I think uh, a lot of people want to see that. The the kind of like absolutely the, because Boba Fett is such a mysterious character that we. I mean, uh, you could call the Clone Wars and all that stuff added to it, but at the same time, made it weird. Um, right, but I think a lot of a lot of people would love to have a show about Boba Fett or something. Absolutely. And I think I, mean, I think obviously this cool is character. yeah, this is I think a cool way to bridge that gap, and uh, we get an even bigger surprise at the very end of this episode. And again, I'm super bummed at myself for not catching this right away that I had to look it up. But Chris. Who do we see yes. at the very end of this episode? Spoiler alert here, but at the very end of the episode, the Mandalorian helps kill the crate dragon, and Timothy Oliphant says a deal's a deal, hands him the Boa Fett's armor. They turn to leave of the Mandalorian and the child with, with um, Boa Fett's armor on the back, and the last shot is the back of a, a man in a dark black robe with two weapons on his back, and he has a very scarred, bald head. He turns around to be revealed that it is Boba Fett who has been watching them the whole time. So Boba Fett was announced he, that this season there was some stuff saying, oh, well, we cast the person that plays him and it's going to be where Boba Fett's going to make an appearance. And they just hit us right off the jump by saying he's alive. Here he is back in canon. And uh, Tamara Morrison back reprising the role that he reprised in uh, Attack of the Clones when he was Jango Fett. And then also he did the voice and was the rendering for all the Clone Wars show as well. So he's a very familiar face. Because all of the clones in Clone Wars, all the clone soldiers, are copies of Jango Fett. So that's how that works. But what a reveal at the end. What a way to bury the lead. You know, you, you start the episode, you see the marshal, he's wearing the armor. If you're keen, you go, oh my gosh, I know that armor. That's Boba Fett's armor. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is this it? Oh, it's not him, obviously. Okay. Okay, cool. Now you've got the armor. Maybe they're going to tease us three, four, five episodes. Nope. Episode one, there he fucking is. We showed you. I hope you're happy. Which only makes me wonder what is to come. Because like you I mean, said, yeah, the season's going to what are they going to keep exploring? You know what I mean? Absolutely. But I think one of the things you said that was awesome was like. We couldn't be more excited to one, see the Mandalorian again. Super excited sure. to see Absolutely. the child so and find out more that. about the yep. child. And then we get blindsided, Absolutely. completely blindsided about like from episode one. Now nah, we're talking, we got Boba Fett now. And you're like. The child who? <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, but, I mean, there's so much to come up. There, there's seven more episodes, and we're going to tackle all of it. But, Chris, before we go, we also have uh, Moth Gideon to talk about. Yeah, what's he? I mean, he's obviously going to be a thorn in their side. He revealed the dark saber at the end. We didn't get any more of that. Mm-mm. I like what the show is doing. The show's saying, here's the course here's you are trying to get the child back to his own kind you need to hunt down more mandalorians for information you're going to run into monster of the week 
but I like that it's not forcing us to sit around and see what's what's he up to or what's this storyline doing. It's mostly just like, no, you're following this one tiny story in a few weeks of this of their life now, and we'll see what happens next week. We'll see what happens the week after that, where they run into. It's not forcing the story down our face. It's letting us follow the characters as they get there, and I, and I love that. I want to be on that journey. I don't want it spoon-fed to me that, uh-oh, the bad guy's got big plans. Yeah, no, I think they're doing a, a good job at that in the sense of, too, is we always talk about how some of these shows give us filler episodes. This was actually a 54 minute episode, I believe. And flew by, flew by, flew so by. Cool it, and it, it showed us new things. And there wasn't a dead spot at all in it, or a filler spot. And there's only seven more episodes. So there's so right. much in this one episode that can fill even an hour for the next seven episodes. If I'm being honest, so there's so much to, to, to explore, which we can't wait to see. But we'll be here every week, dropping the next episode. Yeah. So definitely check us out. Stick around, because after this is episode number 150 <laughs> of the Dopest Podcast. G-Splash, we're giving you the news of the week, all of that. And then following that, we got the Treehouse of Horrors episode, Halloween Ooh. Sessions, number four. Boom. Post-Halloween spooky. <laughs> be sure to watch that one. We'll be back next week when we're talking chapter 10. I'm Bradley Baxter, my man Chris Bucky Watts. We out of here, baby. Peace.